0: Listening to the Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White.
1: Welcome to the Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers, brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White. I'm your co-host, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir?
2: I am doing well, sir. And you? I'm
1: doing really good. Yeah, nice.
2: It's, uh, it's good to be chatting again today, and um, I'm excited for this episode as well.
1: I think it's a very interesting company and uh, and an interesting guest.
2: Yeah. Um, I I think a lot of the marketers that we talk to um, on a regular basis, one thing I guess that we're seeing a lot is that um, the different types of kind of um, marketing organizations that are coming to life inside of uh, uh, manufacturing and distribution organizations, just the, um, the way that they're starting to resource the marketing function and think about what, Uh, talent ought to be in-house versus uh, outside. So uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to today's conversation and just kind of diving into that a bit more.
1: Yeah, me as well. So uh, joining us today from Ellsworth Adhesives is Jazz Core. Jazz is the Marketing and Digital Experience Manager there. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, Jazz.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: Jazz, it's fantastic to have you on the show. And I've got to say, um, just before we uh, went live here, uh, you were giving a great uh, tourism uh, push for Milwaukee. Uh, So I want our listeners to know that if you have any uh, vacation time uh, coming up in the next little while, Milwaukee is the
1: city to visit, apparently. Well, maybe you should wait till the spring.
3: I was just going to say that. I mean,
2: embrace winter, Jeff. Embrace winter, you know. We are Canadian. I suppose we have
3: to. You guys are Canadians. You're welcome year-round. But my caveat to that would be definitely come in the spring or summer where we have different festivals going on. We're actually known to have a festival every weekend in the summer so you won't be bored. Um, along with that, we've just got um, you know the coast of Lake Michigan and just a, a lot of fun, a lot of things to do in, in little big Milwaukee.
1: Nice. You well, were mentioning you'd been to Halifax as well at some point too. I,
3: I had. Um, I had an opportunity to attend a trade show there um, for I, IPAC, which is a trade show kind of for the infection preventionists in Canada. And it was in Nova Scotia, beautiful city. I love it, and hope to be out there soon.
1: Very cool. I feel like we have
2: a budding sister city relationship now with Milwaukee as a result of this podcast. (laughs) The cooler ring has done its job in bringing people together. I think we can almost end the show now. Yeah, yeah, but Um, we shouldn't. There's good stuff. Jazz, why don't you uh, introduce our listeners uh, to you a bit more formally? Let us know a bit more about Ellsworth and your work there.
3: Yes. So my name is Jazz Core. As mentioned earlier, I am the Marketing and Digital Experience Manager at Ellsworth Adhesives. Uh, we are a distributor and manufacturer of industrial adhesive products. We've been in the business for 45 years, and we are family-owned. So we have we are distributors for specialty chemicals, and the rest of our business comes from a portfolio of other. Businesses. So we do this, we actually create dispensing robots to dispense these adhesives. We can do custom formulation as well. And then we also repackage large um, adhesives. Um, And then finally, wrapping up our portfolio, we have the Glue Dots brand. So if you've ever gotten a credit card, the little sticky glue behind it that's our company that's our product and the glue dots um, company actually adds a b2c element so we do have a consumer friendly product that goes into it i've always thought
1: glue dots were uh, just you know from a tactile nature it was always a really great experience because you never it wasn't like you got a paper sticker on something and you had to peel it off and it just left a bunch of residue you know but the glue dots they, they come apart
2: You've given this some thought, as, uh, o- as only a design student, <laughs> an old design student might. Indeed. It's like
1: that, or if we can
2: like talk about paperweights, you're going to be really yeah, happy and, for the rest of the show. Serif. <laughs> and edges and yes, things. and typefaces. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's not where we're going today. No. Um, where we are going, though, is, Jazz, um, I'd like to kind of lift the hood, if you would, a bit on the what's going on inside of Ellsworth and how you're kind of building out the the, the marketing team? I'd like to kind of get a, for our listeners to get a sense of the, the types of, of, of roles and and, uh, and and kind of just the general structure that you're bringing to uh, to the table there.
3: Yeah, definitely. So in my division, we are led by our global president. And within his reporting structure, right, he's got a lot of um, reportees that are um business functions, right? And and then we've got our sales team, which are that's our largest value add for our customers is our engineered sales representatives. So most of these guys and gals, they come from an engineering background, so they have an engineering degree or have been in the industrial adhesives market most of their life. Uh, They work with customers at the design phase. So as a customer is going through and designing a new product, our engineer will sit with their design engineer and come up with what that adhesive solution looks like. So they're one of our largest value adds. And then you've got my department. We've got a unique setup. We are the marketing and the digital department in one. Um, we realize that marketing cannot function without digital and digital can't work without marketing, right? So it makes sense to have it under one roof and that, what that does is it provides synergies from a strategy standpoint. So as we build out what marketing, traditional marketing strategies look like, how does digital become either a supporting foundation or the backbone of it? And our team in our department actually behaves as an extension of that sales team. Um, that's where I really see the secret sauce for marketing and marketing campaigns to really work is if it becomes that extension of the sales force. Right, as the sales team goes and they're the feet on the street, they're going in looking at prospective clients, looking at new applications. They need that in-house support from a marketing standpoint to then provide them with tools and resources, whether they're sell sheets or digital kits or actual like we have physical sample kits that we send out with different adhesive materials so that a sales rep can sit with their design engineer and they can touch and feel and look at what type of products that we're able to uh, sell to them. Right. Um, So we've been doing. A lot of of that and building our foundation. We had, um, it was really separated for a while. And I've come in and really am trying to revamp kind of what our mission statement is for our department and how do we deliver and how do we then become a data driven, metrics driven department to report back to the company saying we invested X amount into marketing and digital efforts and here's the ROI, here's what we see a lift in sales. And that comes back directly to my team. And then that's a, a feel good metric for the team too, right? As a content strategist is writing content or creating digital ads, she can see I was able to impact X amount into sales and revenue.
2: Jazz, I appreciate that overview in them I wonder uh, is it, well, first off, I really like the notion that digital is kind of, in some ways, too important to be left to the IT department. Uh, I, I always, um, you know, it's, a, it's a, always an interesting uh, challenge when you have marketing um, and IT uh, being very separate. But I, I was—I'd be curious. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the types of people that you have working on the on the marketing side? What types of roles you've brought in-house?
3: Definitely. So just to go back to your comment about IT and marketing being together, the reason it works here is I actually have a marketing and IT background. So undergrad, I actually graduated with a marketing and IT degree. So it really helps, right? When you have a leader that can take really abstract and creative ideas, break it down into technical terms and write you know technical requirement documents, and then vice versa, right? When IT has a question, or the tech side of it has a question, we can take it back and break it down and make it more abstract for the the more creative side of it. So that's why I think this works within Ellsworth. Um, but to then go back and then answer a question about what my team looks like, um, I've got a great team in a wide variety of roles and experiences. So. On the marketing side, I do have a marketing assistant. Uh, She deals with day-to-day kind of projects and asks that can be executed quickly and turned around and provided back to stakeholders. Then we've got a marketing coordinator who is uh, tasked with doing all of traditional marketing um, items like trade shows, print ads. She'll also manage some of our digital ads as well, and then she's tasked with coming up with what does the marketing automation and integrated marketing campaign strategy look like. Then we've got a content strategist. So you don't hear a ton about content strategists or people that are just um, really that are dedicated just to content being part of a distribution marketing team, but we. Uh, We have a great leader who's a visionary, Paul Ellsworth. He believed in this and he invested in it. So we've got a content strategist that goes through and builds all the content, all of our social media content, all of the content on the website. She will work with our technical team to understand really technical concepts and then write um, pieces for our social media and our website we've also got a web designer. Um, She's more of just a designer. I should take the web piece out of it because she designs for both traditional marketing and digital and web as well. Um, She's been with the company uh, now six years and really holds the vision of how do we take the company to that next level from a design standpoint. And then we've got a web developer on our team as well. So that kind of, you know, weird stance between marketing and IT, we actually have a developer on our site that works uh, solely on all of the marketing digital initiatives.
2: More front end or back end, dev? I would assume front, but I don't want to.
3: He actually does both. Uh, You'd be surprised. So he was hired for more of the front end piece. But because, again, we're a lean company, and for the longest time this was a very lean department, he's self-taught, and he does a lot of back-end development as well.
2: Uh, The uh, sought-after full-stack developer.
1: (laughs) We're all looking for them.
3: Yep, and I I always call it and I say, I'm like, I found a unicorn, right? It's very hard to find somebody that can do both and do both very well, right? That it's worked and we haven't had to hire a back-end developer.
1: Especially important too, when you're part of a small team like that, that your back-end developer and designer and content strategist can all work closely together on something too.
3: They work very closely together and we actually, they actually sit right by one another too. So, you know, if there's a question where, the content strategist may want to do something different from a landing page perspective. She works with the designer to design that that landing page and then works with the developer to say, here's kind of the elements that I want that are interactive or are not interactive. And they sit right by one another and we're able to get work done very quickly because we're face-to-face. We don't have to sit there and cut tickets or send emails and ask for requests. Um, We do have a a project management tool that we use where we do task or do um, document all of our tasks and then assign team members to it. But then being able to be that close in proximity with this group is very important.
2: Jazz, I wonder, um, I mean, I think having that talent in house, we could probably pretty quickly list out some of the uh, variety of benefits to it. Um, Maybe it's my contrary nature, but I'm curious if you had to, be forced to pick one challenge that it uh, presents, Um, what would you say?
3: Honestly, there isn't a challenge, right? We have, I've been blessed with a great team that meshes well with one another. We all know how to work around a super technical mindset versus a super creative mindset, right? I've been challenging my team not to start with no to an answer, but to start with yes and. Right, so if there is something that may become a roadblock, right, we we can figure out a way around it, so that at the end of the day, we're delivering the best possible experience to our customer, and we're also easily um, navigatable, right, from a website standpoint, so that when a customer or a prospective customer does land on our website, they're able to find what they need right away, and and that's the beauty of having. A designer, a developer, a content strategist, a marketing coordinator all sit in together and be a part of these large projects. That's also important.
2: See, I couldn't get you to take the bait. You're very disciplined. <laughs> um, yeah.
3: I, I really I, I mean, I would be very transparent. That's how that's my leadership style, right? There's really no challenges and, and knock on wood, really. This team works really well together, and it is a blessing.
2: Nice. I um I want to kind of jump in a bit to your um uh, background in design thinking and um, how um, we're bringing that to life at, at Ellsworth. So perhaps first things first, uh, maybe take us through that a little bit and um, what that background entails.
3: Yeah. So I had the opportunity to get design thinking certified at my previous employer. So I worked for a large insurance company that um, was very successful for 160 years in delivering their value add and their value prop to their policyholders. But now with um, you know our demographic changing, our workforce is changing, and we're actually witnessing history right now where for the first time ever, millennials and baby boomers uh, in the workforce are at the same level. Right? So what does that mean? That means that these old styles of what my parents did, I'm going to follow and I'm going to do, that, that way of thinking was changing. Millennials are very self-service. They like to do all of the, the research up front and then make a decision and then proactively go to a company, right, in this case for life insurance. So um, I was picked uh, as a part of a larger group to get design thinking certified. So we had a boot camp with Cornell University, and they really Taught us this new way of thinking, this new way of designing and um, creating projects and and executing different strategies with this human-centric approach. So I did that at my la- at my previous employer. Brought that discipline over to Ellsworth uh, because what we were designing for is we were designing for very technical people. We were designing for engineers that needed um, you know, really in-depth data about different chemicals and different uh, adhesive products. And that's what we were designing almost everything for. And when I came in and, and, and saw our website and started diving in deeper into the metrics of our website, um, that was my first project. Is really take a look at what our website is offering. What does our digital presence look like? And you know, off the bat, the the website looked really great. It looked great, put together. It was responsive. It was checking off all of those high level kind of requirements of what you're looking for from a website standpoint. But when I started diving in deeper, being brand new to the industry, not knowing anything about adhesives uh, and trying to act like, you know, a buyer who's going to come and purchase a product through Ellsworth, um, they also don't know all of the technical details, right? They are provided um, a list from their design engineers saying, these are the products we need, please go to Ellsworth and purchase them. So diving in deeper into the website, I realized that we had designed it with a lot of um, internal jargon, uh, with a lot of just high-level information, and I realized that we didn't design it for which person which persona would be entering our website and that's where design thinking really came in is really taking a step back taking that human-centric approach of our different personas what are they looking for from a um, website perspective and how do we deliver that and it really gets into what the customer wants and what the customer's thoughts are and their um You know, they're a buyer for a business. However, they bring in a lot of their B2C kind of behavior, right, into that B2B buying world. How do we combat that? we can't be Amazon, right? And it's going to be very tough. And we can't be um, some of the other larger companies that we interact um, from a B2C standpoint. We won't be that either. But how can we be the best that we can for our customers? And that's when that design thinking piece came into it. And we conducted um, a design thinking workshop where I was able to bring all our stakeholders into a room and just talk and just talk about, who our customer is, um, talk about our business processes, talk about where we want to be, and then talk about what are our roadblocks and how do we utilize technology to deliver that great customer experience. And we talk a lot about omnichannel, right? Omnichannel was a huge buzzword many years ago, but You have to get out of that mindset. It's not B2C anymore. It's not B2B anymore. It's not omni-channel. It's really business to everything, right? How do we bring in all the different aspects of business and then apply that digital overlay and create these great experiences online that will allow our customers, my customers, to have a fast, easy, efficient way of getting their work done and then also feel wow that was great to work with Ellsworth that was very easy to do I would do this again and I'll be a repeat customer moving forward so our overall vision really is deliver the information that our customer is looking for when and how they need it so our web is not going to replace our inside sales team right we have uh, that's what that's one of our other great value adds is we offer a white glove a true white glove experience and service to our customers and they love calling in and a lot of our buyers right do love calling in and talking to their account specialist catching up on life and then placing orders but then you'll have a lot of buyers that are in this new millennial kind of you know um, age they're coming in more and more and for them they don't want to get on the phone they don't want to talk to anybody they want to be able to log in into their account order from Ellsworth, look at what their previous purchases were and then be on their merry way.
0: Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM.
2: I wonder, Jazz, before we uh, get too far from it, I'd, I'd like to kind of uh, dive into that comment that you made earlier that kind of is a bit of a thread through all of this. And I know that the works, you know, obviously you're, you're, you haven't been, um, it's not like you're five years into the role at Ellsworth, so I'm sure that some of this thinking is still evolving. But this notion of uh, you thought the, the the site was very much, or as you looked at it, was very much talking um, an internal language and maybe sounded like maybe it was too engineering-driven uh, versus some other buyers that were coming to the site. I think a lot of people struggle with that exact issue. They, they have people coming um, uh, to their digital presence that uh, vary in their level of technical competence. They feel internal pressures to... You know, to, to show the technical chops, to be, to, to to show a level of seriousness or what have you. But then, the communicator in them maybe feels that in some way they're um, making it hard for uh, the folks who aren't as deeply technical. So, I guess, how are you planning, or have you how have you thought about that? What and what is it about changing the uh, the tone of the copy and the approach that you're taking, or is it bigger than that? Um, what would you say to that?
3: Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's bigger than that, right? There's, there's a lot of improvements that we can do on our digital presence. Um, because we are looked at as leaders, right? We have this engineered sales force, and they do a great job face to face, but we're not really promoting it much on our web, right? The way we're combating that is that we're making our site easily navigatable depending on what persona you fit into. So we do have a lot of really technical folk that will come and come to our site to look at content that we've created. We have white papers, we have webinars, we have best practices. But then we have the, the larger group, which is actually that buyer that's coming in to buy online. Um, we, we don't have our full catalog online. Eventually we will. But for now, for some of our commodity items, they are available to purchase online, and we want to make it very easy for that buyer to look at um, the spec sheet that their design engineer has sent over, quickly glance at a SKU, type it in, and then get that product, right? So it should be a very easy, I'm typing in the product into the search bar, it's coming out with that result, I'm going to put it in my cart, and then I'm going to check out. so that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to make our digital presence um, adapt to who will be coming to our website. Um, how do we serve up the correct content? So uh, like you had mentioned, right, we're very new. We're, we're in a crawl space right now. We're building out our strategies for it. But eventually our vision is right to really deliver that true omni-channel experience, meaning no matter which um entry point you're coming in and engaging with Ellsworth you're provided by you're provided a content that you're looking for and you're and the way it's done is very fast and very efficiently
1: I really like the approach that you're taking kind of thinking about things from the user's perspective and really bringing it as a designer myself you know I I always kind of like to see people beginning to take that approach with with anything that they do.
2: What you're saying is you're really happy that the rest of the business world is finally catching up to you and designing. <laughs> is that
1: it? Designers are known to be arrogant, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Well, on, yeah, I, think this
2: is, I think it is yeah. fair as a non-designer. I would say this is clearly one area that designers have had right for a very long time. I mean, designers have been arguing with clients for 50 years about who they're designing, whatever it is they're designed. Like who who are we who designing it for? for and yeah. it's not for your wife who likes blue. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh,
1: true, yeah. true enough. But yeah, uh, my follow up to that was going to be the, the one thing about the um, proliferation and popularity of design thinking is that it's, it's also creeping into decision making about other components of not just marketing, but uh, everything from a business perspective. Is that something that you're intending to do with the, you know, with other types of marketing that maybe aren't as design focused as designing a site or uh, analyzing the current site?
3: Eventually, yes. Right. So we've, we've done that um, in the past where it's just been decisions are made based off of um, internal business practices, right? And internal business processes. But now it's really taking ourselves out of that shoe and really looking at who is the end client. So this could go for technologies that we choose for our sales team, right? It may make sense from a business standpoint to go with company A, but if you look at it from our sales team perspective, it Company A may not make sense, but company B may make sense, right? From how the sales cycle works and moving leads through, you know, our our sales funnel and all of that. So I'm hoping with a successful delivery of a newly designed website experience, um, Will lead to more design thinking projects on other side, other areas of the business. Um, because it is a tried and true method. I think it works because, you know, the pendulum swings so far, right? For the longest time, um, everything was pushed to digital to a point where it's not become, it's not personal anymore, right? But as humans, we love when we get personal messages from the different companies that we interact with, right? Now it's, we've seen it kind of go all the way digital and now it's, all right, we've got to come to like a happy midpoint, which is really human plus digital. And how does digital help make our lives easier, our work easier, uh, us become more efficient and effective? And that's really how I see design thinking, right? And for me, I'm I'm always going to have that kind of eye set on digital and how will digital help the human element of it. And I get to start off with the marketing piece. And I think as we grow within the company, we deliver a successful website experience Experience and then, you know, attributed to this truly design thinking and a new way to collaborate um, will then we can use this discipline in other parts of our, our decision making processes. I
2: think you're at an exciting point in this uh, this journey. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for you as it's uh, kind of just getting underway. And uh, I feel like in some ways you just kind of told us your secret plan to take over the world, you know, like <laughs> it starts with the website and then it extends from there.
1: But it's all from design thinking, right? Yeah,
3: It's all design thinking. It, it, it works, right? And that's the thing. It, it really works and it helps you organize your thoughts in a really visual way that, you know, we, a lot of us are visual beings, but it's also objective, right? It's not just we're going to get in a room, we're going to think about what we think the customer wants, and not do the research of creating different personas of who our customer really is and talking to our customer. But then, you know, just making decisions in a vacuum usually don't lead to a lot of success. And my leadership style is really I like to collaborate. I like being transparent with my Peers and counterparts, and really lay it all out to say, how do we work best together? We're all in the same company. We've, we're all marching to the same drumbeat. How do we make each other successful? And then that's what that's my experience with design thinking, right? Is bringing in all our stakeholders and getting their thoughts out there and just having an honest conversation, right? We can agree to disagree, but at least we're there talking about it rather than being making decisions one off in a, in a closed room, right?
2: I um, I appreciate the overview, Jazz, and I um, I I can't help but um, well I, I guess I, I'd be curious. Have you found any? Um, I mean, because uh, the thing about design thinking, of course, when you talk about it, especially people who have been exposed to it in the past um, or have just done it as part of their uh, job and life, uh, as you would as a designer, I suppose, Jeff, is just you know sometimes you wonder why everybody doesn't get it or why you have to. Um, uh, why it's sometimes a struggle to explain or to get sell people it. over? To, yeah, to yeah. sell it in. Um, any any tips on on uh, helping to drive adoption of design thinking? As we uh, wrap up this uh, interview, Jazz.
3: Yeah, I mean the big thing is right. Define what design thinking is. It is human centric design, and that in itself holds so much power, right? The only way we can deliver the best possible experience to our customers is by putting the customer in the middle. And who is the customer at the end of the day? He or she is a human, right? We're designing for that human experience. It's something that we as consumers, we're not aware of it, but that's what a lot of these large companies are already doing. So to bring that into the manufacturing space, which has always been known as the old school mentality, you know, very cold, um, not creative, to bring that in and say, no, we are a modern day manufacturing distribution whatever company Um, and this is how we're designing these experiences it's to make it easy for our customers to do business with us and that's really what design thinking delivers in, in my opinion
2: jazz it's been a pleasure chatting thanks so much for sharing your experience on the show today
3: thank you for having me it was a pleasure all the best thank you cheers thanks for listening to the cooler
0: ring with carmen perry and jeff white don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K U L A Partners.com slash the cooler ring.